It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Wednesday's edition. That's not Wednesday. What am I talking about? Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live from the NFL Combine here in Indianapolis. My name is John Schmelk. Thank you so much for being with us. It's all brought to you by AWS, proud sponsor of the New York Giants. That's Amazon Web Services. Thank you so much for being with us again. A very busy show coming your way today on Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll be with you from 3 to 4 p.m. today. The rest of the week we are from 12 to 1, so make sure you put that on your calendar and make sure you come and check us out. To start today's show, we're going to play Playback, the best bits from both the press conferences of Joe Shane and Brian Dable. Then we're going to have Tom Rock join us from Newsday to talk about what they discussed today at the podium. We're going to have Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network to talk about draft prospects. And then we're going to have Tony Pauline to close out the show with us to talk a little bit about our new draft season podcast and this draft class in general. Well, guys, it's always good to be out here in Indy. This could be the last year we're here. Next year, it will be one of three different places, either Indianapolis, Dallas, or L.A. They have yet to decide that. I expect that decision to come sometime in May. So we're enjoying our our last week here in Indy for the Combine for what could be a little while. It's always fun to be here. Uh, We've had all the pressers from the general managers and coaches coming your way today. Later in the week, starting tomorrow, we're going to have all the draft prospects. We start the quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends. Then we get the offensive linemen and running back. Then the big guys up front on defense, the defensive linemen and linebackers, and then finally the defensive backs speak on Saturday. So stay tuned all week long. We're also going to have a bunch of giant huddle podcasts up as well. Uh, Jordan Reed from ESPN, Dane Brugler we'll have as well. So make sure you stay tuned all week. And we'll have Daniel Jeremiah, by the way, from NFL Network on Big Blue Kickoff Live coming your way tomorrow. That's Wednesday again at noon. All right, let's get to it. We had Joe Shane and Brian Dable at the press conferences today here in Indianapolis. Let's start with Joe Shane. He addressed the media in Indy earlier today. Joe, you said that uh, more often you miss on the first Yeah, that's part of the reason I'm excited to be here because we, we went through two weeks of meetings in, in February and you know I was around some of the players at the Senior Bowl Thursday and Friday. We were able to do some interviews, but you know there's some players I just haven't been around. I haven't talked to them. I haven't had any interaction with them. So the fact that we're back here at the Combine, you know, we get those 45 interviews where you get them for 20 minutes. It's been, it's been a great opportunity to get in front of the kids and talk to them and, and really get to know them. And I think that's really important. And we'll continue to do that through um, March and April as it leads up to the draft. But, you know, that's definitely a priority of mine to get around as many players as I can. Joe, from the outside, it looks like you need multiple starters along the offensive line. Do you agree with that? And do you, does that change your approach to how you go about looking for them? Like you need guys that are more ready to step in immediately? I think we have five healthy offensive linemen right now on the roster. So uh, you're correct. So, yeah, I mean, again, we're going to – there's – there's several holes that we need to be, we need to fill, and again, through any avenue we can—free agency, trades, draft, college free agency—you got to remember there's there's two classes of basically the college draft. A lot of kids went back to school last year with the COVID year, so you know maybe there's a surplus of college free agents that can make your team. You know, so we're going to look at every avenue um, that we can to upgrade the, the the roster, and you know, offensive line is included in that. Yeah. 
Yeah, again, I haven't been here 24 hours yet, so I haven't got to got a chance to talk to a lot of people. But yeah, we're, we're open uh, to moving back, moving up, staying, staying as well. You know, we find seven players you like in the draft, and you know, again, I can sleep good at night because two of those guys will be there, one at five and one at seven. So uh, if there's a guy, again, we haven't been around them yet, so it's important to meet the kids, make sure they're you know our type of guys. And, and once we do that, if, if we come up with seven that we like, I'm happy staying. If there's a guy we fall in love with, I'm not, a, I'm not afraid of moving up and I'm not afraid to move back. So we'll, we'll be open for business. Very calculated, and that's that's kind of my initial comment in terms of you know we got to have contingency plans, so you know kind of the if-then scenarios, and we've we went through a lot of those. So if we don't get where you know to where we have money that that we can do something in free agency, then it's going to be hard. But again, back to my you know introductory press conference, we want to be able to com be competitive today and also build for tomorrow. And I think if if we're able to do this the right way, I think I think there's a real possibility that we're going to be able to do that. Absolutely. I think you got to do that every year. I think you're always going to evaluate the quarterbacks. Yeah, I'm, I'm confident in the players that are there. Again, where we are, again, five and seven, you know, in terms of just the first round, you know, finding seven players that we really like that fit, um, you know, position specifics, critical factors, and the type of football makeup and the type of character we want to bring into our building, then I'll sleep good at night. You know, if it's too high to take a guy or whatever it is, that, that's fine. You know, what I care about is what the people think in the building. Um, and, you know, we'll do, we'll do our due diligence and make sure regardless, you know, whether it's a deep draft or not, that, you know, we'll find somebody that we like and we'll be able to contribute for us. That's Giants general manager Joe Shane at the podium here in Indianapolis a little bit earlier today. A couple things that he mentioned uh, that was not in that clip very quickly. He talked about basically he, he wouldn't go as far as to call anyone untouchable. He did say there were probably some guys that he wouldn't trade, but he said he was opening to conversations on, on pretty much any player on the roster. If a, if a player, someone would call him and talk to him. He talked to anybody uh, that he's very open to how to go about his business here. Also said that, some of the roster moves that are going to be essential to get under the salary cap, uh, those could come sooner rather than later over the next couple of weeks leading up to free agency, maybe even sooner than that. So we might see some moves there. Uh, he said he's being very deliberate and calculating in how he's clearing that cap space. So you're not hurting the roster too much this year. He still wants to compete this year and try to win, but also help the roster in the future. So he has a lot of contingency plans in place where, well, if we can do A, then we do B. But if we can't do A, then maybe we do C. So he was very specific about that. Uh, said right now Daniel Jones is the starting quarterback, but obviously he thinks the backup quarterback is a very important position. So that was an important note that he had. Uh, asked about his offensive line evaluation, talked about how, first of all, his generic, smart, tough, dependable thing, that was something he pointed out, but also, you know, wants to have that athleticism there um, and also kind of like that same type of attitude, which I think is important too, where there are intangibles with the offensive line position character so that whole group can work together. Uh, to make the offensive line play well. Uh, they're going to be patient on the Daniel Jones fifth-year option, uh, probably get way up close to that May deadline before they make a decision 
on that. So those are really the most important notes from Joe Shane's press conference. I also invite you guys to go check out. We are, again, If it's not up already, it'll be up shortly. The video of the Joe Shane Q&A that's up on Giants.com and the Giants app. Make sure you guys go check that out. There's more information from him. He took questions from fans on the phone via YouTube and via Twitter. Make sure you guys go check that out. Um, as you get later in the day. All right, now let's um, take a look at what head coach Brian Dable said at the podium earlier today when he addressed the media. What are you expecting your defense? Well, time will tell, right? We're, we just, we just uh, really evaluated our, our roster right now. And, again, I think that the important thing when you do that is everybody has foundations that you come from. But you better figure out what your players really do well. And watching them on tape is one thing, so you have to lay a foundation of what you believe in, obviously. But then once we get them out there and they're able to run around and be in the meetings, we're going to have to do a good job as a coaching staff in trying to put them in the best position possible. But Wink's good at fundamentals. He's good at scheme. Uh, along with the other coaches that we brought in, I think, uh, you know, Jerome, we, we, we held on to Jerome. I think he's going to provide a... a you know, a great resource to Wink and Dre Patterson and, you know, just um, a lot of the guys that we brought in. We'll, we'll find out as we get going here. we got a long way to go. <clears throat> we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, look, it depends on who we have and, and what we draft and who we see, but th this game is played so much in sub-packets nowadays in, in nickel defense and dime defense, so um, there's not a lot of fullbacks out there anymore or two big tight ends, so... Um, Look, I think he's always been multiple. I think that's one of the things that we liked about him. I think we'll continue to be multiple. Guys that can affect the quarterback. Guys that can affect the quarterback. I mean, they all come in different shapes and sizes and have, you know, you remember Dumerville back in the day, short. You can get up underneath guys and explosive. And look, they're all different. Um, but all of them have a knack to affect the quarterback one way or the other, however that may be. Speed, power, speed to power, different moves. Uh, but someone that can get him off the spot, obviously that's a, an important part of today's game with the way passing is going. Yeah, I'm going to try to be involved with all the, all the areas, offense, defense, um, the kicking game. Uh, you know, it's hard once you grow up in a, you know, I was worked on defense when I was younger. Um, and then obviously been an offensive coach for a while. But again, I think collaborating with the guys on, off on offense, I have a lot of confidence in Kafka. That's why we hired him. He was a tremendous interview, um, really a smart, obviously went to Northwestern, played the quarterback position, uh, did, really did a good job in Kansas City. And, uh, you know, we hired Grow from, from Indy that was at Philadelphia and a couple of the guys that came from Buffalo. So, again, it's, it's much like the, you know, the conversation we talked about with Wink. And we're going to have to do a good job of figuring out what our guys do well. I think that's the most important part as a coach, figure out what they do well and, and try to let them do it. Um, we'll, now we'll get to there. I think we met this morning over at the uh, where we met last night with the players, and we're just laying the foundation now. But, again, have a lot of confidence in Mike. And uh, once we get to that point, I'll let you guys know. I don't know. I've never been a head coach and called plays, so I don't know that answer yet. Well, I think if you have good players, you try to get the ball in their hands as much as possible, whoever that may be, a running back, a tight end, a receiver. Um, you know, Saquon's a good player for us, and, and we'll do our best to try to put him in good position. That's Giants head coach Brian Dable at the podium 
earlier today, and we had to keep the bald theme going between Dable and myself, so we bring in the one and only Tom Rock. How are you, buddy? Good, John. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. It's good to have you on. They stole my shampoo coming through TSA on the way to Indianapolis. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I'm sure you'll survive. Actually, between Kafka and Dable, you get, the Giants may be the uh, have the lowest budget for hair care products in the league. Clearly, I was heavily consulted in the hiring process, Tom. As it should be. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, I was not there for Dable's presser at the podium. We were doing the Joe Shane Q&A over here. So give me your feel for uh, what Dable said at the press conference first, then we'll kind of get to what, what Shane said. Well, th- my feel is that he, he doesn't have a lot of answers just yet, and, and that's fine with him because there's a lot of catching up to do, and, and they only had their first staff meeting earlier this week, uh, I guess about a week ago. And uh, so they've only met for about six times as a staff to go over things so that so they don't know a lot of the answers that that everybody wants to know at this time which is how what's the defense going to look like what's the offense going to look like who's going to call the plays on on offense they they haven't gotten to that yet they're they're still taking taking baby steps you have to crawl before you can walk as 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 brian said uh at at one point there so uh i think that they're they're pretty far behind in terms of where they wanted where other organizations are that have had stability but that's that's pretty common I think for a new for a new regime uh, you know this this whole thing has been has been blown up and they're starting over and they're gonna have to make a lot of roster moves in the next two weeks to get under the salary cap the two numbers that stuck out to me were the 40 million that, that Joe Shane said that he wants to clear uh, from the salary cap and the five, which is the number of healthy offensive linemen that they have on the roster at the moment. And he didn't seem quite sure that they had five healthy ones, but then I think he decided that they did. Yeah, well, some <laughs> of them, some of them, I guess, I guess count uh, 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 conservatively and, and liberally. Uh, so they'll have to they'll have to take a look at that. But you know, Brian Dable said after uh, when we had him on the on the side, he said, "Any of you guys want to try out for offensive line? Let me know." Uh, that that's uh, that's was, telling. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, obviously he was he was kidding. Oh, well, um, I was going to say, especially when you actually look at the people on the beat. Right. Obviously joking. Right. He obviously joking, and and there are plenty of uh, offensive linemen walking around Indianapolis this week who will who will be do a much better job than any than any of us will do. Uh, but that's that's a real need for them, both in number of quantity and quality, and and they're going to have to address that. Uh, with very minimal resources going forward in the next couple of months. Yeah, and obviously we'll, we'll talk about all that and, and get to the draft class and all that stuff, Tom. I guess my question for you, he gave a, a fairly generic answer about Kafka. Smart, I don't really know him, but I was impressed in the interview. He was asked specifically how he's going to blend those two systems because they're very different. What did you get from that and kind of how that relationship is going to work? What I got from it is that is that they don't know yet. They're, it's it's a work in progress, and and that's something that this whole shebang is right now <laughs> yeah. is is a, is a work in progress. They don't even know who's going to be on the team. You know, Brian was talking about well, we're going to tailor the defense and the offense to the players, and that's important. And and a lot of teams do that. They don't know who the players are going to be. They, they 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 have to figure that out. And there are contingencies. And and Joe Shane talked about. The uh, uh, the if A then B then B then C being very calculated in how they're being very do calculated yes. in, in how they're going to go about. The fact of the matter is this isn't a scalpel job. This is a machete job. They they need a lot of space. They need they need to to clear out. When you mentioned clear forty million, like that that's not just like one or two guys. That that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, and that's why he said uh, several times we're open for business. Anybody wants to give us a call and and take some of these players off of our 
our hands, I, I think they'd, they'd be open to it. So to get back to the question about Kafka, I don't, you know, I don't know what, what the offense is going to look like because they don't know. <laughs> and and that's, that's where they are right now. They're, they are, they're still in the hangar, and they haven't even gotten out to, to, to the runway to, to try and take this thing off. Yeah, look, I'm with you 100%. All right, so let, let's now dig in to, to some of the details here on what we think might happen. You know, Joe Shane indicated uh, to us up there, and then when he was here with us too during our Q&A with him, that we could see some of these moves happening sooner rather than later in terms of clearing the roster. And look, they kind of have to. For agencies in two weeks. They have to happen in two weeks. Right. So, there's I mean, a, but who a knows? I mean, we might have stuff happen this week in Indy, for all we know. Do you expect it to be most – he also said, by the way, I should point out, that – last resort is contract restructures. He basically said, he basically said that. He said that. That's the last resort. They don't want to have to do that. Right. So you're looking at either outright cuts or you're looking at trades. What do you think they might be able to do in the trade market where maybe you get some value back where you can clear some space that way? See, that's hard to say, John, because I don't, you know, how many good players do they have that people want? There's only a handful. Well, I mean, look, I think the one there's guy... There's only a handful. There's, there's two, probably. Yes. Bradbury mm-hmm. and Saquon. And those are probably the only two guys who teams would say, okay, we, we'll take it. We'll take those guys off your, off your hands. The, other, the rest of them, they know the Giants are going to cut them anyway. So, so there's no sense in, in making that kind of a, a, of a trade or, or, or a deal. What do you think the type of value is on a Bradbury? Day two pick? Could you get a three? Maybe a three, maybe a four. I don't know. You know, it's it's not it's not as high as it would have been a year ago coming right. off of a Pro Bowl season. Well, and obviously only one year left on his contract one, too, so that, that also limits the value. Right, right. And and cornerbacks are a position and we look around it here at the combine where every year they are just flooding, flooding, flooding the, the talents at cornerback. Everyone needs them though too. Everyone needs yeah. them and, and but everybody but there's always a way to get them too. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I don't know that. I don't know that there's going to be a lot of buyers for James Bradbury. Uh, How do you see the Saquon thing going? Uh, my my sense is that ultimately he'll be here um, with the Giants. Uh, because if they did move him, that would be your ultimate sell low move, right? Pretty much. I mean, if you decide to move him now, you're basically if you if you move him now, you're basically saying to the team, we are st- we are starting over. And, and Joe Shane has been pretty clear. This is not a rebuild. He said he that multiple times. He doesn't want times. it to be a rebuild. Right. One of the lines he said today was, you know, I don't want to go out there and get my head beat in. And, and if they don't have Saquon, who's the best player on offense uh, when he's healthy, then they're going to get their heads beat in pretty, pretty good. <laughs> uh, so my, my sense is that, is that he'll stay. I don't know. Again, we talk about value and, and, and things like that. Are other teams really chomping at the bit to get Saquon Barkley on their team? Maybe. maybe you no, know. but I mean, if you talk about I, Bradbury, I, I mean, I think you're looking day I, three pick, I think right? I, I think teams, I think Bradbury probably has more value in a trade market than, than Saquon right now. I think given the positional value and how they've played the last couple of years, I think that's probably fair. And, and how much you can get out of him going forward. You know, who knows what Saquon is going to be like in three years, four years. James Bradbury going to be a decent starting cornerback in, the, in three or four years? I'd say the chances are, are a lot better than that Saquon Barkley is going to be a fully functioning, fully healthy running back in three or four years. He was asked about, this is Joe Shane, about 
the backup quarterback position and whether or not they'd be competition for Daniel Jones. And his answer was that Daniel Jones is a starter right now. Which that is interesting. Um, how do you think they're going to handle that? Do you, you know, we, we were listening just as, as an example, we were listening to the, to the Bills, uh, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, and they might as well have like, just like thrown out like Valentine's Day cards to Mitch Trubisky the way they talked about him. And obviously he has connections to Brian Dable. How do you think they're going to handle this backup quarterback spot? Well, I think it's like anything else and that it costs money to have competition. And, and ideally, they would want to have somebody come in and, and be the backup, not only to uh, play in case Daniel gets hurt, but also to, to give Daniel the best environment that they, that they can find. And, may, and I think Davis Webb coming in adds, adds to that environment in, in, in the quarterback room. But I think they need somebody who's, uh, who's going to be out there and, and, and can play and, and, and do those things. And, but that costs money. It's not. It's not cheap. And and right now you're talking about very limited resources, as we've said multiple times, in terms of the salary cap, in terms of of the way the way things are structured. It's hard to find that guy. Normally it would be easy. You say, yeah. And I, I think Mr. Trubisky is probably a little bit higher of a level than than what what, what the giant what the Giants would ideally want there. Probably somebody like an Andy. Andy Dalton, uh, not not this year, but Andy Dalton or or uh, Ronnie Fitzpatrick, or, you know, sure. one of, one of those types of guys, I think would be would be perfect for for what the Giants are looking for. Those guys cost, you know, a, mil- a million plus. I mean, just example. I mean, just look at how much Marcus Mariota got to be Derek Carr's backup, right? Exactly. He got he got almost ten for a year. So, yeah, I mean, when it comes to the cap, just the way they're going to have to allocate these resources is going to be tricky. And that brings us back to the offensive line, right? First of all, you have to use draft picks on offensive linemen, right? Because you don't have the money. But at the same time, you don't want to throw out like four rookies with Andrew Thomas because then you're not going to be able to evaluate your quarterback. So you almost have to clear enough money to at least bring in one, maybe two veteran offensive linemen, and then you add two a different way. How do you think they're going to try to allocate those resources to help fix the line? I think it's going to. I think it's going to take time. I think. I think we're going to be a week and a half, two weeks into free agency before they get to that, because. They're not going to be at the top of the market. They're going to be at the at the part of the market that the guys are where guys are a little bit more desperate and willing to take one-year prove-it deals, willing to take veteran minimum deals. They're started two of their starting offensive linemen may not be with the team until training camp starts. That and that's that's a reality because they're not going to be able to um, throw money around like they did. The last time they got a new general manager, and they said, "Okay, we need an offensive lineman," and they tried to tried to get one, and they wound up getting Nate Solder and 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 making him the highest paid. At no point during this during the next twelve months, are the words "highest paid in the league" and "New York Giants" going to be associated in, in the same sentence. So that's that's just not going to happen. So it, you're gonna you're gonna have to be creative and and find find the dregs and 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 whip them into shape. And, it's, and, and it's, it's not going to be, it's not going to be pretty for the fans because they're going to, you're going to be hearing names and they're going to say, well, he's a he's a loser, he's he stinks, he's he's terrible, he's never amounted to anything. That's the market that the Giants are in right now, and and you got to kind of, you know, turn it into chicken chicken salad. And that turns <laughs> the pressure up, right, to say, well, then you have to draft one at five or seven, right? But what happens if two or three guys are off the board one through four? Which, by the way is not an impossible scenario. Like, that could be how this draft goes. It's absolutely how it, how it could go. And you look at how the Bills 
built their offensive line. They did it without first-round picks. They, it was mostly second, third, undrafted guys. Uh, one of the things that Joe Shane said a couple of times that I thought was interesting was that this is sort of a double year in terms of players. So a yeah. lot of the guys had stuck around for an extra year because of COVID. Super seniors. Super seniors. And so you have, you have a lot larger of a pool. So there's going to be potential players who will go undrafted. There's still the same number of draft slots, but you have the pool is, is much larger and much deeper. So I, I think that there's, you're going to be looking later in the draft more than earlier in the draft. You certainly, if, if one of the first t- top two guys is there at five, they're, they're going to run the, run the pickup there. And, 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 and your top two being Neil and Equanu, I assume? Yes. yes. Uh, after that, I think, I think you sit back and you wait, and maybe you trade back to the late in the first. If you can find someone second. to do that, if you can, or if you can which find which is going to be tricky this year. Nobody, because of the nobody wants to come up because the the draft doesn't really start until the second day this this year. Uh, that that's just the way the talent is is broken down. There's not a lot of guys who make value for value on on the on the first on first round. Uh, one of the things that Joe Shane did say was, you know, I'm not worried about overvaluing people because the pick you are is the pick you are. It, it, so he's not. He's not going to say, well, this guy wouldn't have been a fifth overall pick two years ago, three years ago, last year. If he's a fifth overall pick this year, that's that's what he is. You have the, to pick the best guy that's he, left, right? That's, you know, that's that's just sort of what, what you're stuck with. But I do think that when it comes to need and depth and and all of those, all of that algebra that goes into the Giants' decision-making, probably waiting till later in the draft would not be the worst move when it comes to the offensive line. And that's going to be crazy because people are going to go berserk after the first day when they have these two picks. Whatever they do with them and they don't come away with an offensive lineman and they still have only five healthy ones, they're, they're going to, people are going to go, go crazy. Uh, but it's a three-day draft and, and, and plus, the, plus the rookie free agents. So uh, it's a long process. And I think by the end of it, They'll have the bodies that, that that they want to move forward. It's also a three-day draft, and it's it's a three-year plan too. So there's there's going to be some time, and and there's going to be more resources certainly next year that they can go out and supplement what they've started with this year. Final question, Tom. What's your, what's your gut then? Like, what do you keep an eye on? Who are the players that you're thinking about right now at five and seven? I know we're before this thing's even started here, and you know, I know you're not a guy that's pouring over you know draft prospects, but from what you talk to talking to people what are the names that you're watching that you think could be available realistically and could be a fit that makes sense for the Giants well I like the the edge rusher uh, um, Thibodeau uh, Thibodeau Mm -hmm. right Uh, I think I think that answers a lot a lot for them Um, I think that if you if you do get rid of uh, Bradbury if if, in one way or another you got to you got to replace him so you're gonna you're gonna have to find find a corner Mm -hmm. Uh, safeties I think are are very strong, uh, and and I think the Giants liked having having safeties. But and then I, I think you look at what Wink has always had in Baltimore was that strong those strong linebackers in the, in the middle. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, do you have one of those now? I don't I, I don't I don't think so. I mean Blake's yeah. Blake's a you know Blake's a good player, but he's coming back from an ACL, so you're not not quite sure what you're gonna, what you're going to get there. I think you got maybe you got to look. Look for like a captain, sort of middle linebacker, Antonio Pierce guy in the middle who can, who can be the Bart Scott or the, 
uh, Ray Lewis uh, of, of those Ravens yeah. defenses. Tom, good stuff. Newsday, where else can they find your stuff? And do you want to pop the book too? Yeah, sure. Uh, Miracle Moments in New York Giants history is, is out there. There haven't been a lot of them lately, uh, unfortunately. So the book the book is, is still in date, even though it's, a, it's about a year, year and a half old. Awesome. Tom, great stuff, man. We Thanks, appreciate John. it. Tom Rock from Newsday will be back with Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network right after this. We're back here on Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by AWS, proud sponsor of the New York Football Giants, John Schmelk. And now we're joined by good friend Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network. Kyle, what's going on, man? How are you? Life is good. It's good to be back in Indianapolis, and we obviously missed this event last year and a chance to to talk a little shop with you. Uh, obviously, it's not the same when you're not in person and, and getting that, that discussion going. So I'm looking forward to catching up. Yeah, absolutely, man. So always fun to have two of the top seven picks in a draft, right? Sure. Always fun. But is this the best year to have two of the top seven picks in the draft? So what I do think is interesting is as we look at this draft class, there are some blue-chip players. And I do think that the Giants are going to have an opportunity based on positional value to get a swing at one or two of those blue-chip caliber prospects. So, Who are those guys for you? So we really like Evan Neal and Ika McQuanu with offensive tackle. Mm-hmm. You know, that's in discussion at one, and we'll see you know, what happens if the Houston Texans trade Laramie Tunsil. That could open up the door for both of those tackles coming off the board. Uh, we like a number of the pass rushers. We really like Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. He's our top guy. Kayvon Thibodeau has elite tools. Uh, even at the corner position, I got three guys that are graded right there as that top 10 valuation sauce gardener. Uh, Derek Stingley, and then Andrew Booth from Clemson is a guy that our collective group is very, very high on for his physical tools. I don't predictively think he's going to go in that range, Mm -hmm. uh, but Gardner and Stingley are guys you consistently hear top 12 buzz on. So I think as long as you're not reaching for a need or drafting a quarterback, you're going to get really good players. And Kyle Hamilton might be the best prospect I've evaluated personally since I started doing this stuff in 2013. He's phenomenal as a football player, and I think the safety position – Teams are starting to catch up a little bit to the value, and this is not a Jamal Adams-type situation where this is a guy who can contribute in coverage at a really high level. But the fact that you're seeing so much of a trend towards two high safeties now to kind of prevent the explosive plays, this is a guy who can line up at 12 yards of depth and fit the run and make the tackle two yards past the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Like, that kind of range in the run game while being able to line up against and play physical against tight ends but have the movement skills to cover slot receivers and play too high – and potentially play single high free safety and high post, that level of versatility is unmatched. And when you're looking for a more-you-can-do player, Kyle Hamilton, for me, checks all those boxes. He's he's a phenomenal player. So you think even at 6'3", 230, he can cover slots? I, I see the movement skills that he puts on display, and that was a big question for him coming into this past mm-hmm. year before he got injured. Yeah. And you saw the, the ball production that was there and his ability to place a man-to-man, and I think they gave him a little bit more of that this past year. He answered those questions for me. You know, I wasn't ready to, to make the proclamation that I just made this is one of the best prospects, if not the best prospect that I've evaluated since 2013, entering into the season. He was very clearly a, t- a top-tier prospect. But for me, he's... He provides answers for every conflict that every defensive coordinator across the league is going to be faced with in today's NFL. And that, that's invaluable in my eyes. All right. Let's say Iquanu and Neal are both gone, which yep. at this point I think seems somewhat likely, depending on how they both test. And I think we both expect both those guys to test kind of off the charts yes. this week. So they're only going to help themselves. How big of a dip is it for you to your next offensive lineman? Yeah. Who is that guy? And how many guys are kind of in that mix? Yeah, so – if you're ignoring positional value, 
I really like Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa. But I can't justify drafting a center in the top 10, especially when he's 290 pounds. He's probably going to come in this week around 290, 292. He could be scheme specific. Yeah, I think he's one of those Shanahan wide zone system Mm -hmm. type players. So you have to factor that into account, and that's why we put him into tiers. I look at Charles Cross from Mississippi State. He might be the best pass protector out of all the offensive tackles in this year's class. Trevor Penning blew me away at the Senior Bowl with just how tenacious he was. I thought he played that opportunity perfect to kind of answer the level of competition questions for him. Wouldn't be surprised if Sauce Gardner comes off the board and he's in consideration for Baltimore at 14. So, like, you're talking another top 15 caliber pick. Would I draft him at five? No. But if you are committed yourself to fulfilling a number of needs through these top two picks in the top eight, and Carolina takes Charles Cross at six, and you have those other two offensive tackles off the board, like Trevor Penning, I think, has an outside chance to be there and be somebody who makes sense. Um, I really like Zion Johnson at guard. I think he's, he's my top interior offensive lineman, and he's played left tackle for Boston College. He snapped at the Senior Bowl, and he played guard. So that level of positional versatility is what really, I think, for me, moves the needle as a 320-pound guy who I think can play in gap power concepts. I think he can play in zone concepts. Again, kind of the same thing with Kyle Hamilton. It's the more you can do, I think there's universal appeal for him because if you need a left guard, you need a center. If you get somebody hurt and you need to push him out to tackle to get through a game, he's shown he can do those things. You have him ahead of Kenyon Green, huh? Yes. Kid out of Texas A&M? Yeah. Why? I think Zion is a little smoother. I think Kenyon has better raw power. Okay. And so if you're looking for a guy who's going to play vertical, climb off of double teams, create push on the A level of the defense, and then spill into the lap of linebackers, Kenyon Green's probably going to be more your flavor. But I think about Boston College, and they ran a lot of zone concepts, and no one rushing system in the NFL now is pure gap or pure zone. But I just think Zion Johnson gives you better opportunities to get your best five offensive linemen on the field and get better combinations, whereas Kenyon Green I don't think has the kind of positional flexibility to fulfill the same number of different spots that Zion Johnson is. But, again, it's your individual team criteria is going to be different team by team. And let's talk about that with Charles Cross, right? Because mm-hmm. I agree with you. I watched probably the top seven offensive tackles, and I agree. Best pass protector by far. Yep. Great kick, good sets, stays he, guys in front of him, the anchors. He checks all those boxes there. Yep. So why do you think NFL teams aren't viewing him as a top 10 player? Is it the fact that he's just never in a three-point stance and they don't run there? It's only one year of production. What do you think is holding some teams back with Charles Cross from putting him into that top 10, top 12 area? I I think playing in Mike Leach's offense does not help his cause. Mm -hmm. You know, that was something that Andre Dillard, everybody fell in love with his feet, sweet feet kind of offensive tackle. Well, it turns out he's soft, right? And that kind of creates that stigma about that position. I don't think Charles Cross is soft because I'm watching him against guys like DeMarvin Leal. Yep. And he's anchoring in those situations really, really well. But the challenge for me is that that air raid defense creates so many three-man fronts where that defensive lineman that's lined mm. up over top of you is on that inside shade in that four-eye alignment. He isn't in that seven or nine technique. Right. right? Yeah. You're not getting that outside pressure you're getting more heavy defensive linemen. You're getting a lot more drop eight where they're trying to flood flood passing lanes unless they're pressuring or blitzing you. So I've seen the movement skills that he has all the ability in the world, and I know he can anchor against a four-eye, but how does he handle 265? How does he handle Jermaine Johnson from Florida State in a a wide nine, Uh. converting speed to power? 
I don't have that answer because it's not on tape. And that, I think, is one of the big apprehension points for Charles Cross. And I've talked to some people. There is some sense that they don't think he's going to test great this week. So Have you gotten that sense, too? I wouldn't be surprised because one of the narratives with weight, right? So if you stack on weight because you want to weigh well and you compromise your athletic ability because you want to check a certain box to weigh a certain amount when you get through your weigh-ins. What did he play at this year? Uh, he was floating around 300, 305. Uh, but I remember he, he, he probably thinks, oh, teams want me to be 320 because I'm an offensive three, 315. Right. Yeah, so if I, I wouldn't you. be surprised if he checks in at like 310 plus. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't meet that expectation because that would tell me he's added a little bit of weight because I remember when he played in 2020, he was like 290. Was oh, he was he, that light? Yeah, he was in that, like, the DJ okay. Humphreys when he was at Florida gotcha. before he, he transitioned to the Arizona mm-hmm. Cardinals and added some weight. And it took him a couple years to transition. So it's kind of just a parallel as far as a player who was considered in the same general range and, and spectrum as who they are as players uh, a couple years ago. Interesting. I'm probably higher on Kayvon Thibodeau more than others, and I think it's probably because of the way I watched him. In order to catch up, because, you know, during the season, I can't watch anything like you can. Yeah. So I'm trying to catch up. So I basically watched, for all three of his years at Oregon, I watched all of Thibodeau's sacks, quarterback hits, and pressure. So I watched yep. all the good stuff to see how he wins, yep. right? And I'm seeing him win with length. I'm seeing him win the bend on the edge. I know he's, he's not, like, Chase Young flexible, but, but yep. he can bend well enough. I see him win with power. I see him win with hands. Like, I see him check all the boxes, yep. right? And then... I watch Aiden Hutchinson. I'm like, well, he kind of wins one way, right? He comes in with two hands, wins the hand battle, wins with strength, wins with power, has a great motor, great player. And I'm like, I don't quite understand why people all have Hutchinson in front of Thibodeau. And I think what I'm learning as I talk to more people and dive into it a little bit deeper is that it's the consistency snap to snap that I think has people worried a little bit with Thibodeau, right? So unless you're watching full games – and multiple games during the year, maybe you're not seeing some of the things that are raising some of those flags yeah. for teams with Thibodeau, right? And he was banged up, you know. And, high and ankle, he, right? This yeah, year? yeah, it's kind of an ability to string together a full season and have high-level production throughout it is something that's kind of been one of the knocks on Thibodeau as a player. But, you know, I, I think about Kayvon, he reminds me a little bit of Jadavion Clowney mm. when Clowney was coming through. There's no doubt, from a physical tools perspective, he's more athletic and dynamic than what Aiden Hutchinson is and Aiden Hutchinson was on Bruce Feldman's college football freaks list he was like, number two, yeah. yeah I mean yeah. like he's a good athlete I wouldn't be surprised if he runs low four sixes I heard Aiden his, I heard I heard his running three columns better than Quiddy Pated last right. year which is yeah. ridiculous yeah so you know Aiden Hutchinson is going to test it well and he's going to be in the 260s and like he's going to take care of that narrative for himself but you know Kayvon you look at it, especially the usage at Oregon and they had a new defensive coordinator this year his role evolved where he was more of a outside linebacker this year versus in previous years where he spent more time reduced down in the B-gap in that four-eye alignment that we were talking about mm-hmm. uh, with, with Charles Cross on the other side of the football and what he was facing. And, folks, just so you understand what he means by that, they line up on the inside shoulder of the offensive yes. tackle, yeah. so you have much less room and space to use speed off the edge, right. which makes it tougher on the defensive end to get pressure, easier on the offensive tackle to protect. Yes, and Kayvon's 250. Right, so you know that's that's a player, and I think about Jadavion Clowney and how he was used with the Houston Texans when he was at his highest point on running downs. They would kick him inside from time to time and, and let him play the run and utilize his length and explosiveness to reset the line of scrimmage and make sure he was winning the point of attack. I saw some of that with Kayvon Thibodeau. Now Clowney's heavier too. He's like yes. two seventy, two seventy-five. Yes. So that's my question with Kayvon: is it's like, okay, are you going to play him in that role? Because if you are, you got to put weight on him. If you're not then 
he's going to be more of what he was this year as a true outside pass rusher. But I think, and I think that's the better fit for him, right? Given it his is. size profile, it yeah. is. But one of the things that we've consistently seen with the league from year to year to year, especially recently, is they seem to value much more than the public eye and the outside eye, not the guys who can run under the table at full speed, right? Where they can really generate that horizontal bend, dip the inside mm-hmm. shoulder, dip and, and turn rip. turn yep. that corner at a super high angle with speed. They covet guys with heavy hands who can collapse offensive tackle sets, win with power, and reduce those angles. You know, be able to push when an offensive tackle is setting you, collapse him back so that I don't have to turn at a 90-degree angle at the top of the arc. I can push that tackle back, and, well, now i got to go to the 60-degree angle or 45-degree angle to get off his outside shoulder and, and collapse the quarterback. And that's what Aiden does. And that's what Aiden Hutchinson does. Correct. So that, for me, is the divide between the two. And it does not surprise me to hear that the league is collectively higher at this point in time on Aiden because we've seen more players bust, in my opinion, who are the Vic Beasley yeah. dip mm-hmm. off the edge. And that's not a fair comparison to uh, to Kayvon. I think he's a much more dynamic player. But just using that style of winner as a pass rusher as an example. Interesting, interesting. All right, you mentioned the corners. Let's kind of make this our end of the, of the top ten conversation. Sauce Gardner, I think, is a pretty easy evaluation yeah. when you watch him. Like, yeah. he, no one catches balls on him. Yeah. Quarterbacks don't throw at him. He's 6'3". He's fast. Like, he plays press in college is what the NFL teams want. Like, that's an easy evaluation. Mm-hmm. You know who's not an easy evaluation? Derek Stingley. Yes. Uh, again, plays press, so you see what you like. You watch his freshman tape, and I say this understanding how strong of a statement this is. He looks like Darrell Rivas with the way he covers man-to-man. Yes. He's unbelievable. Then you watch him the last two years, and you're like, meh. Eh. How do you square that circle? So I'll start with Sauce because Sauce for me was the guy who, in my opinion, got the Daryl Rivas treatment this year where teams are, co- team, well, teams are coming out offensively and they're putting whoever Sauce is taking in assignments and they're putting them on the backside, isolated one-on-one, and they're putting them outside the numbers and we're saying, we're just getting you out of the play. We would rather play 10 on 10 than have to worry about you being a part of the formula here. Right. And I was, I'm sitting here laughing because I'm like, these splits are ridiculous how they're just trying to remove him from the equation the way that they did. Um, and I agree, you know, the, the concern with him is transitional quickness and being able to turn and run and what his long speed is. So those are the things that, but he's so long and so good in press coverage. You think testing for him is going to be pretty important? Yeah, I, I, I think if he meets expectations and he runs low four or high four fours, he's going to be fine. Yeah. And I, I think he's got a realistic chance of being CB1 because he's strung together the most consistent resume. Sure. Like, as you mentioned with Stingley, I mean, you, you have to grade the player for what he's shown he is on tape. And from a talent perspective, you don't forget how to play the game of football. He's a phenomenal talent. But for me, I have him and Sauce Gardner from a, a, our scoring scales out of 100. We have them tied. The tie is going to go to Sauce Gardner because he doesn't have – those questions Mm -hmm. as far as where has this version of you been the last two years have you just been trying to get through without becoming significantly injured you know how banged up like if you have legitimately gotten banged up has that taken a toll on your body we don't know those things we haven't seen a lot of him play and when we have it's been okay like you said so you grade him on the traits he's very clearly an elite physical talent so I graded him as such, but if it came down to A or B, I'm taking the guy who doesn't have those questions. No question about it. All right, two more quickies, big picture. Is this a much deeper draft because of the super seniors? Like, are you going to yes. get better players here in round four and early round five than you would in a normal year? Yes. I mean, we've stacked 
380 players, and we got guys with fourth round grades that are available like in the 160s. Whew. Yeah, it's it. There's a right. lot of good players. So so trade down if you can is what you're telling. Me. Get get volume at the end of the top 100 and early on day three. The more picks you can get in that range, you are going to get abnormally better prospects. Not guarantees, but you're going to get abnormally better prospects in those ranges of the drafts versus a typical year. Is this going to be one of those big surprise years where between 15 and 50, like one team is a player at 45, another team is a player at 17, and there's going to be boards that are all over the place? Yeah, and you see that every year based on just the scheme specificity, but like I think this year with getting the renewed opportunities in the draft process to get the entire league together yeah. and having all of the boxes checked as far as information that we are usually using to apply to make our decisions, I think you'll see a much more dynamic draft from a wheeling and dealing and trades perspective because some teams are going to be really aggressive and look to emulate the Rams formula of, okay, forget the draft picks. We're, we're going to go all in. We're going to try to make dangerous splash. as hell, by the way. It is. You got a draft really successful on day two and day three to pull that off. Well, this is the kind of draft that you can pull it off for a year. And they only pulled it off, by the way, because you, because your Kwiski Tart dropped an interception and hit him right in the chest. Correct. Small margins. Correct. And you got to get lucky in the postseason. Yeah. Right. That's it. But they gave themselves the best chance. They went all in with Bob Miller. It all paid off for them. Yeah. So good for them. Sure. And I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't advocate for doing it, especially year over year over year. Me too. You have to have a special kind of job security, and there's only a handful of GMs across the league that can stake the claim of having that kind of comfort that Les Snead has to be able to continuously finance high-level assets for players that are going to get super contracts or you're going to let go one year later. All right, ridiculous question. Far too early, but I'm going to ask everybody, so you're first. Um, Giants picks at 5-7. and I'm writing it down. That's why I'm I doing this. I am going to go with Kayvon Thibodeau. Okay. And you think if he's – here's another fun game. If he's there at five, do you play the roulette wheel and say, well, I don't think Carolina's picking a pass rush and then just pick it at seven? Uh, so, so this is interesting. <laughs> I did Carolina radio, and they are very much dialed in on trade-down opportunities because of the depth of the offensive tackle class. And listen, this is a team that traded away a two for Sam Darnold. They traded away a three – for Stefan Gilmore, who, by the way, is leaving in free agency. Right. They traded away an extra pick for so, C.J. Henderson. They, they to, need picks. So if they're looking to trade down, someone could move up to try yes, to get Yes, and to jump over top of you. So I wouldn't play the game. Good if question. he's your guy, he's your guy. Mm-hmm. Got it. Uh, and then at seven, I'm selfishly going to go with Kyle Hamilton because I think from a positional value perspective. If he's there, who knows yeah, if he's if, making if, it if, But I don't know like who in the top four is going to take him. I'd be, I'd be surprised. Do you have any idea what Houston's doing? I mean, it depends on what happens with do. Laramie Tunsil. Because <laughs> if Laramie Tunsil doesn't get traded, then I think I would right. give him a Quanu. Right. I give the Giants a Quanu at five, and then go potentially with Thibodeau sliding to seven. Interesting. Okay. Would you willing? Would you would you be willing to pull the cross or penning thing out at seven? I would probably try and get cute and try and slide down a little bit and see if there's a defensive Again. player, a pass rusher that somebody fell in love with that they would want to come Good up Good luck get. trying to find someone to trade up in this quarterback. I class. know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're not going to get him for a quarterback. It's going to have to be a different player. Yeah, which is tough. Kyle, Good stuff, man. Pleasure as always. You're going to let us off this year as our draft experts. Excellent job, and we'll talk to you down the road. Thank you so much. Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network. By the way, tell the folks where they can find all your stuff. Sure. should do that. Uh, I'm on on social media, grinding the tape, pretty much everything, Instagram, Mm -hmm. Twitter. Um, I'm over at thedraftnetwork.com. I'm the director of scouting there. we got a phenomenal team. we got six scouts on staff. 
uh, many of which have league experience at this point. So we're, we're blessed with an incredible group, and, and they all do phenomenal work. So thedraftnetwork.com, uh, check out all our work over there. We have Kyle's colleague Joe Marino joining us on Friday. Very so good. should be good. Everybody, thanks for being with us. We'll be right back. We have one more segment. Tony Pauline joins us in just a minute. We'll be right back. We're back here on Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by AWS, Amazon Web Services, proud partner of the New York Football Giants. I am John Schmelke. You know this guy. He is Tony Pauline. He's been joining us for years here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. And, of course, he is co-host of our brand-new podcast, along with myself and Eric Crocker, of The Draft Season. Make sure you guys go check that out. Uh, it's on your favorite podcast platform. Make sure you find it, subscribe. It's on a separate podcast channel. Uh, we basically do an hour a week on pure draft stuff. It's not Giants-related, so we just, Tony, got through doing our top fives on both sides of the ball, offense yep. and defense. That was fun. Um, we did our little combine preview, which posted yesterday. So if you guys are interested in that, check it out, and we'll have our combine wrap-up for that coming up uh, next Monday. But we have Tony here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. would love to just talk specifically about the Giants here, Tony, and... Boy, they are at five and seven in a year where I'm not sure you want to be at five and seven. How many for you true blue chippers are there in this year's draft class? Probably about two. And, and one of them be? has a major has major questions. They would be Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. I, and I love Thibodeau as a player, but this is a huge week for him. Not from the testing point of view, but from the interview Interviews, point of view. Yeah. Because I'm, I continually hear a lot of negative things about Thibodeau, which, uh, you know, I, I don't like to hear that. And by the way, he's the one on Tony's board, so he's not right. killing him. He, he loves right. Thibodeau. And these, this is from Thibodeau's people as well. There's major right. concern there. And you, you hate to hear those sorts of things. Not bad. It's not that he's a bad guy. It's just there's some immaturity there, and he's acting like he's already arrived at, rather than acting like he really wants it. Mm. A- and that is a concern, and, you know, it's going to be a, a big week, big couple of days of tough interviews. And Thibodeau's the kind of guy you can't miss on. If you take him early, you can't miss on him, or, you, you know, he's going to be a bust. And if you pass on him, and he turns out to be what everyone thinks he can turn how out to I be. Pass on that kid. You're going to be keep looking back <laughs> and say, you know, how do you pass on him? So that is the big question. Those are the two guys on film. I mean, I like Ajabu a lot. I like Ahmad Gardner a lot. I like Derek Stingley a lot. I, I, there's a lot of defenders at the top of this draft. And you know, as how about John, Neil and Aquanu? I like Neil. I have. I don't know. He's a pure left tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think he's more maybe a right tackle. Some people say with that build, he moves into guard. I think with somebody like that. You always try him at left tackle. You see if he can handle it, and then you make your decision. Do you think uh, his weight is very important this week, what he checks in at? Or do you think people well, are that concerned about that? He's not supposed that? to work out this week. From well, what I'm, he's going to weigh in, though, right? He'll, he'll weigh in, but he'll really, weigh in Neil's again. Neil's not going to work out, That huh? was the word as of yesterday. That was the word as of yesterday. I missed that while we were traveling. Got to uh, check me out on that, but that's what I heard did as of yesterday. people expect that if he did work out, he was right. going to, like, do unbelievable? Well, like, you, he was well, number one on Bruce Feldman's freaks list. Well, you just got to remember, I mean, that season ended late. Okay, because they played uh, a national okay. championship mm-hmm. game. So what happens is, and some most of, a lot of times it's justified. These guys have nagging injuries, maybe hamstring injury, uh, maybe, maybe calf injury, you. things like that. Especially a big guy like that, and they need to heal from the injury, which puts them back for their training. And Alabama usually has two pro days anyway. Right. So yep. that was the word as of yesterday. We'll see what happens. As far as the quantum is concerned, big, powerful, massive guy. Again, I like him better at right tackle. He's my number one guard right now because he's just—he's a nasty masher. You know, I gotta say, I feel like I got a lot of room here because we're missing somebody. I mean, I'm usually switched between you and Paul. Oh. My and Paul and, and Paul's firing the questions at me. So, Paul, if you're there, listen, miss you, bro. Yeah, the 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 Pison energy is at an all-time go. low right here, but Tony's trying to make up for it there as best as he can. 
right. So what names and players should Giant fans really be keeping an eye on this weekend for potential targets at 5-7? and seven? Well, maybe a pass rusher, but I think they got to figure out where they stand with Aziz Ojolari. Okay, because Ojolari had some fantastic moments last year. And but, now you need more than one, by the way. Well, you so. do, but but I, I mean, but again, you know, from an outside perspective, it just seemed that the coaching staff was again the former coaching staff was not too high on Ojolari, or it just just didn't seem to be in his corner. I think this coaching staff has to figure that out. As far as other pass rushers, talked about uh, David Ajabu of Michigan, who I absolutely love. I think he's an explosive guy. I think there are aspects of Ajabu's game that project better to the NFL. Then Aiden Hutchinson, I think he's a better mm-hmm. athlete. He's more explosive. He just plays with a, a natural violence in his game. Plus, you can use him off the line of scrimmage. You can use him as, in pursuit. I think Ajabu is going to be a better athlete. He's going to test better uh, than Aiden Hutchinson. And room to grow because he hasn't played football yeah. an awful lot either, right? And, and, and people can say, well, is he a one-year wonder? You know, what right. happened? Mm-hmm. And remember, I mean, Michigan had a great defensive coordinator last season who's now with the Baltimore Ravens who scooped them up okay and that whole Michigan defense so you've got to you've got to solve that question you know you've got to come up with that answer is this guy a one-year wonder is this what we're going to get from him you know all the way through maybe George Carl after this and then I think any of the offensive linemen that could fall to the Giants would be a good addition to help protect Daniel Jones to help add a necessary piece to that offensive e- line. Even if Neil and Oquan, you were gone, would you, would you go into that next tier or no? No, no. I want the top two guys. No, okay. Because I think when I think when you start talking to the next team, maybe that's Charles Cross. Mm-hmm. Giants have a good left tackle. I don't like Charles Cross at right tackle. I think Charles Cross, when you watch him play, he doesn't bend his knees. He's never. I've never once seen him come out of a three-point stance uh-huh. playing in that uh, Mississippi State offense, which is an aerial attack. Not for Mike Leach, uh, no. Nope. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, Trevor Penning, I like a lot, but that's way too early for Trevor Penning. I mean, if you trade down with one of those selections, as they did last year, then maybe you draft the Trevor Penning in the 20s and you slide him over the right tackle. Boy, you are going to give Giant fans agit if they walk out of those five and seven with no offensive linemen, Tony. I'm just warning you. Like, if, if, if Paul Dottino is here, he'd be grabbing your arm saying, Tony, yeah, but Tony, it, but you got to protect the quarterback. Yeah, well, he, but Paul didn't like Andrew Thomas when I talked about him a couple <laughs> of years ago. So, listen, the fact is this is, yeah, you got to – this is a good tackle draft. Right. Okay? So, you, you don't have to take one no, of five and, and seven. No, and everybody talks about, you know, the first round. The draft is seven rounds for a reason. You can get good players in day two. You're going to be able to get some Abraham Lucas Tyler of Washington State, Tyler Smith of Tulsa, those guys are going to be available in day two, and those are guys with legitimate starting possibilities in the NFL. So it's not a, you don't have to get a, 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 a tackle, you know, in the first seven picks. And the fact is this is uh, these guys are good, Evan Neal and Aquanu. You know, they just, they just don't blow me away. I, I'm a left tackle guy. They just don't blow me away. They're really good, but you're going to be able to get a good play, good play at the position later on. And same for edge, right? I mean, this is a pretty deep yeah. edge class. Like, if you want to go get the Giants with their pick at the top of the second round, you're going to have a choice of a few guys there that's probably going to be pretty good. Potentially. Or trade down. Uh, Jeremiah, I think Jermaine Johnson is going to go in the first round. I think he's, Yeah, I don't think he's, he's making it the round. And, and Trayvon Walker, I think, uh, when you watch the film, and I'm told that Trayvon Walker is going to really work out what will be I've top five in every category. He's probably going to run in the four sixes. But still, again, you can get a good guy to compliment or help Aziz Ajilari, depending on how they feel about him. Yeah, I think that'll be interesting. You mentioned the corners very quickly. How do you compare this group, Sauce Gardner, Derek Stingley, to, say, uh, the group last year 
uh, the kid that went to Denver, who's um, Sertan, right. and uh, J.C. Horn. Right. Last year's group was much better. There, there are a lot more questions about this year's group. Okay. Uh, I, I think. What Sir- are the questions with Sauce? The ability to make plays with his back to the ball. You know, he Get does a lot around. of face guarding. You okay. know, we talked about this with DeAndre Baker. You remember playing the, playing in the receiver's hands. It, he doesn't do it that bad, mm-hmm. and he has improved, it, but he still has a ways to go. And Their he, tape is actually kind of similar a little bit. You're uh, not uh, wrong about uh, that. And, and, and he doesn't do it nearly as good as the guys from last year. Right. J.C. Horn, who was terrific at it, and Patrick Sertain, who was good at it. So I, I think that Sertain and Horn were much more NFL-ready compared to Gardner, who there may be some bumps in the road. Gardner's big. I expect him to test well. He is physical. He's also he's outstanding uh, when he's facing the action, but I, I think he's there may be more bumps in the road than there were with the other two guys. And Horn, we got to wait because he had the injury last year. Absolutely. Um, anybody else that you're really excited about, Tony? Uh, you could dig deep, or just guys that Giant fans should kind of be really kind of keeping. Where you know maybe at some point it should pique their interest to know about these. Yeah, guys. well, I, I like Chris Olave, but I'm sure the Giants aren't going to go in that direction. Roger McCreary out of uh, and Chris uh, Roger McCreary of Auburn, the corner. Do you think Olave is definitely a first round pick? I think when all said and done is yes. How about McCreary? Uh, depends on how Booth does. I okay. think I think it'll be between him and Booth for the. I think he should be a first round pick. He's got exceptional ball skills. He's got it going on between the ears. You watch him play. He's explosive. Slot only? Uh, no, I think he playing the outside. I mean, the, there's questions about the length. There's questions about the arm, le- the arm length as well. The yep. uh, but the fact is, he you watch him play, and you can see the guy knows what's going on. The guy's always on the receiver's hip out of breaks. He doesn't have problems making plays with his head, uh, ba- uh, head when, he's, when he's not facing the action uh, with, his, with his back to the ball. Uh, I think he's... You know, except for the fact that he's going to be under six foot tall and his arms are going to be under 30 inches, everything else screams potential starting NFL. All right, Tony, it's an unfair question. I don't care. I'm asking it to everybody, and I'm writing down the answers. Oh Giants picks at five and seven this year. Who you got? I think number five, they're going to take the NC State offensive lineman. Okay. And I think at number seven, George Carr. George Karloftis. Okay. I think Ajabi will be off the board. Really? You think Ajabi's gone at yeah, seven I, I already, think he's huh? gonna, I think people are just going to watch this guy and fall in love with him. You can't, unless unless he lays an A care or, or in pro day, which I don't expect him to do. Right. Uh, I think he's going to go uh, a lot earlier than people expect. So your feel then, the first guys off the board are still in your, because then a lot of people say Thibodeau might be dropping here a little bit. We'll see. He could we'll be. See. So, he you, could so be. you think that if he's there at five, you think the Giants have to run to the podium for him at five if he's there? Or would you think about a Kwanyu over him? Uh, depends on if the and I hate to use the word character because people that that brings up bad connotation. If everything well, off the field, how about out. how about football character? Why don't we say that? Well, that's it. Yeah. You know, listen, mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, right now is drawing comparisons to Vernon Golston in the sense that, he, like I said, he acts like he's already arrived and he's going to make his money. And that's it. And Quinton Culpels, ironically, two players by drafted by the New York Jets who turned out to be major busts. You know. There's going to be a lot of figuring out on Thibodeau here at the Combine, and there's going to be no right answer until we see what happens once the ball kicks off in the NFL. So, but the fact is this, uh, you know, when he's on the field, when he's hitting on all cylinders, when he's at the top of his game, he's unstoppable. I mean, he's a, I hate to say this, Lawrence Taylor-type player. Stand him up over tackle, monster pass rusher, can get up the field, flatten, chase in pursuit. I, I, I mean, he the top of his tape, you're just like, wow. 
I mean, this guy is it. See, now you're ha- you should be really happy Paul Dottina's not here. You just compared somebody to Lawrence Taylor. I didn't say he was a, I he said might, he's that type of player. He's <laughs> you, that type of player. He would be jumping. Of course he would. Right Beating now. me over the head with the camera. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, my final thing. So who are the guys that you say, based on your intelligence, and no one's more locked in than Tony with agents and teams, right. who are the guys that are definitely, in your opinion, not going to be there when the Giants get to five? Who are the guys who Giant fans should just stop even thinking about? Right. I, I think Aiden Hutchinson uh, – I, I would have said Derek Stingley. I'm not so sure about that. Right, the only one you can say right now, with any surety, is, is Aiden Hutchinson. Do you, do you think there's actually a shot that Evan Neal could be there? I absolutely do. Interesting. I absolutely okay. do. I, I mean, Kyle Hamilton. Do you think could be there too? Uh, for safety value. See, uh, not just for safety, because as we talked about in the podcast, I mean, a lot of people are going to talk about him as being an outside linebacker. Wait, you six, know, there's, there's six, a three, two, people, there are mm-hmm. a lot of people who are not sure that he's a true, you know, free safety. No, he's not a natural free safety. Like, he's much bigger than Nakobe Dean. Like, right. people talk about Nakobe Dean about, like, a Mike linebacker. Right, from Georgia. Right. Kyle Hamilton is, like, right. so much bigger than him. Not only bigger, but he's got much more growth potential. Right. So, you know, he's a young guy now, and as he physically matures, all he's going to do is just add weight, which is why I continue to say people are going to talk about him as a— outside linebacker in the NFL. He, you know, he's got that athleticism. And we've seen time, what, what's happening is that now you're seeing a lot of college safeties being moved up to the outside linebacker position because They're being you, want reduced. That, yeah. you want those guys who can get from point A to point B in no, in no time at all. You want those fast guys. Yeah, I mean, for me, Tony, like, you look at Kyle Hamilton. I know we're over folks here. I apologize. But, I mean, he looks like Isaiah Simmons to me yeah. a lot, right? I mean, like, they're really similar builds and the way they move and when I saw Isaiah Simmons I'm like yeah he's either a off-ball run to linebacker or like a strong safety that's and look we've seen Kyle Hamilton make those you know deep single high plays sideline to silence we've seen him do that but he he looks like Isaiah Simmons he did on Saturday it's a lot more difficult on Sunday I just Mm -hmm. don't know that he's got that quick change of direction like I said he's got long legs he's more of a loper that that explosive burst we'll have to wait and see all right and folks if you like what Tony just talked about today make sure you go check out the draft season podcast it's on all your favorite podcast platforms on the Giants mobile app and at Giants.com slash podcast and Tony tell them where else they can find your work on Twitter and all your writing uh pro football network at Twitter at Tony Pauline, as I tell my wife, you want to find out where I am, the best thing to do is just Google me. It's, it's, <laughs> you'll, you'll, find, you'll find me somehow. Make sure you guys go check it out. That's Tony Pauline. Again, thanks for being with us on this episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. It was all presented by AWS, a proud partner of the New York Giants. I am John Schmelk. We're back the next three days on Big Blue Kickoff Live, 12 to 1, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Make sure you come check us out. Just to give you an idea, we got Daniel Jeremiah coming your way, uh, Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus, Charles Davis will be on the show at some point um austin gale we're gonna have um joe marino i mentioned him from pro football network uh dame brugel will be with us jordan reed from espn uh have a couple, a couple of giant beat reporters eric edholm from uh yahoo sports jeff risden real gm so a lot of guys coming your way over the next three days make sure you check it out stay tuned right here to all the giants podcast platforms we'll have some standalone giant huddle podcast as well and all our coverage here from indianapolis is again brought to you by aws proud partner of the new york giants for tony pauline and the the rest of our guests. I am John Schmelk. Thanks for joining us on Big Blue Kickoff Live today. We'll see you Wednesday at noon for our next show.